All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the Buck Fever Podcast. We got Pat and Eli. We're on our way back from Canada. Gonna take some of our time here on our drive to shoot a little podcast. Kind of talk about our mind frame or mindset and the the time frame from now until the, the start of deer season in September. We're coming back here. It's the early part of June, so like, what's kind of our time frame? What are some things that we're doing here in preparation over the next couple months? Um, and how we like to structure that going into the, the bow season here in Wisconsin that starts usually mid-September, so. Yep, I'm sure our wives would be extremely impressed that we just got done fishing for a week in Canada on vacation and you know we're spending our our time on the road coming back it's 84 degrees out and now we're transitioning to deer hunting we're switching over to deer hunting so (laughs) sorry honey um I can't help it but you chose me so this is just the way that it is I guess um but yeah we've had a lot of success in the early season over the past couple of years and I think I don't know, a lot of that has stemmed from from our approach that we take uh, in the summer months, you know, June, July, August, and then early September leading up to the Wisconsin opener. So I guess what what would you say would be some of the contributing factors for our success um, early season based on what we do in the summer? Well, I'll start with trail cameras. I think, you know, June still for me and it's still a little bit of fishing time. I mean, as is a lot of the summer, but in terms of what we're starting to get ready, deer hunting, we like to usually deploy our trail cameras sometime around, probably the earliest is like the July 4th weekend, but yeah. sometime in the first half of July. So for us now, like I, I can see over the next month, we'll be going through just trail camera inventory, making sure, you know, we're, we got clear cards, we got all working cameras, all the old batteries are out, buying the new stock of batteries, just taking inventory on what we got. Maybe if we need to buy a new one or two, you know, it seems like you lose, you know, one one or two every every season. So um, just making sure that those are all up to snuff and we have as many as we want and they're in working condition and then they're gonna be ready to go so that that first half of July, we can get those cameras deployed out in the woods. Um, that's usually when we like to do it. Um, yeah. Gives you a nice summer inventory of what's going on out there. Um, you can kind of get it, you know, all the bucks aren't ready in the first part of July, but for me, that's really when the turn, the, the page turns into hunting season is right after that July 4th weekend. Then I'm really starting to crank up into deer hunting's only, you know, two months away ish at that point. And uh, yeah, that when it really starts to crank up. I think over the last couple of years, we've done a much better job of planning our approach um, you know throughout the month the summer months uh, going into the season and like I said trail cameras play a big big role in that um, cellular cameras help with that um, but like when we go out and hang trail cameras we do that at the same time as when we're going out to hang new sets and check all of the stands that we have in put new ratchet straps on uh, clear shooting lanes, um, you know, plant our food plot. Um, so we're in there messing around for a day or two, and then we're out again. 
and you know ideally unless we're having some sort of a camera malfunction we we don't step foot back on that property um, outside of uh, filling up our water tanks if they're empty uh, or hopefully not till the opener of, of bow season right uh, there might be a, if you, so really we're talking about a lot of our work towards our September opener happens between late June and the first week in August. We like to not really step foot on the properties if we can over a whole month in advance of the season. Um, I think that's where a lot of people miss the boat. They might have great summer trail camera pictures and then all of a sudden they're in there a week or two before the season cutting down all kinds of brush, cutting new shooting lanes, hanging new stands, getting all their sets in there and then all of a sudden the first week of the season sucks. Yeah. Well, I wonder why. It's because you just completely blew it up and changed all those patterns that the deer were, were on. We're clear out of there, leaving the property alone, ideally in a month or more in advance. And yeah. that certainly has, has helped. Yeah, and I think, you know, like, like I already said, the cellular cameras have really helped us with that. But uh, if you think back two years ago, our cell cam cameras where we had those placed, we really weren't seeing great patterns of, of deer movement leading into the season. So um, sometimes you have to go out and check SD cards. And if you don't have cell cameras, then you know at some point you're gonna have to go check SD cards. But what we've done the last couple of years, uh, if we've made the decision together that we need to check the SD cards on the other cameras is um, because I live pretty close to that property I always we always wait until we have a day where it's raining and I will go out put my raincoat on and walk around change all of the cards in that in the middle of that rain or just before it's going to rain um, so that any scent that I leave uh, on that property is going to be washed away it's minimal intrusion we're not going into any any cameras that we have uh, um, hung up in intrusive areas. Uh, basically, we're just checking cameras that are on the edges of fields or you know really short distances into the woods, um, where we're not going to be getting anywhere near bedding areas and hopefully, you know, not kicking up any deer. Yeah, and, and we should talk about that too because not everybody's running all cell cameras, and neither are we. We only have a select few that are really cells, but those uh, just standard SD card cameras not going in there every two three days like or every week it's once or twice before the season yeah um, it's so hard to do because you're it's excited hard to do because you're excited and it's awesome getting pictures but you're doing more damage than than good if you're in there all the time uh, I'm a true believer in that so even if we are if our regular you know cams we're not religiously going in there and checking them all the time like crazy yep actually was it three three seasons ago when when you killed your buck in September um, it's the exact same scenario it was like we didn't even have cell cameras at that point so it was the week prior to the season starting and um, I was out in the rain going to check cameras and the buck that you killed, I actually kicked him up. He was bedded down 
Uh, we have a, a food plot that had some standing corn in it, and I was kind of sneaking along the, the fence line, and he happened to be bedded out right in that food plot um, on the edge of the standing corn and, and thicker grass. But he never saw me, he never smelled me, he just heard me coming, and he jumped up, ran away. So I didn't even go walk in there any further after I'd kicked him out. I just said, all right, I saw enough. I know that that buck is living right in this area. Yeah, I don't need, need to check the camera. Check the camera. Yep. That's right. I just turned around and walked over to the other end of the property and, and pulled the cards out of those cameras. Yeah, because specifically if we're talking that year, um, this is the second weekend of the season. I, I was in there on Saturday night. Maybe it was Friday night. Yeah, I think it was Friday night, and and hit the the BG buck that night, and unfortunately we didn't find him. But then I grabbed the camera that you were going to get that day. Yeah, you had never stepped foot in there, and as bummed as I was feeling about hitting that buck and not finding him, like the camera intel that I had grabbed, only because I walked past the camera, but not going in there on purpose, um, told me to kick your butt right back in that stand. There's other deer and specifically the one you had kicked out that were in the area coming from the opposite direction so I knew we hadn't messed that up yeah um, and sure enough I ended up killing him the next very next night but got right back in that tree yep and then it was the following year same thing that was the first year that we had um, dug in the water holes uh, and we did not have we had some cell cameras at that point but we didn't have them a cell camera on the water holes and it's the same thing. We I went in there and pulled the card on that camera and BG, same deer that you had hit the year before. Uh, it was something ridiculous. Like nine of eleven nights, he had shown up in in daylight um, on that water hole. So that told us opening weekend, you know, we got to be in there and be ready to be ready to hunt him. But same thing. I was out there. It was raining. Um, low level of intrusion that um, that water hole is about five yards off of the edge of the field uh, in a in a little food plot and it's got some pretty tall grass all around it thick stuff so the only way deer would have known I was in there is if they were like bedded right there and saw me walk in yeah so I mean other things that so we're Trail cameras are definitely probably our first priority here, getting that all set up and ready to go. And then you talked about when we do go out and, and deploy these, uh, again, like we've touched on many times, we both have families and we have limited time. So, you know, usually we're trying to knock this out in like a, a two day window that we might get in the summer where, where I can get away and get down to the property where we both can get away. So we're trying to deploy cameras and, and do our tree stand stuff all at the same time. and again to be more efficient at doing this stuff we always make a list you know at the end of the season of changes or what tweaks or maybe what stand needs what we usually try to make a day out there in the spring and take care of the highest priority stuff on that list which still leaves us you know half of that list of items to do and then we can knock that out when we get out there for these one or two days in july and get it done and safety is a big part of that you know we're going around and checking ratchet straps or adding ratchet straps or changing them out on almost all of our tree stands 
doing a quick check. Uh, again, looking at notes from the year before, if we needed a shooting lane or something added to that particular set. Um, but this is all getting done in a two-day window in the middle of July. So. Yep, and usually, you know, like Pat said, we have a couple of stands that we might want to move or tweak. Um, but once in a while you go in there and a lot can happen over the course of winter, spring, summer. So you have to go and check your stands. You don't know if there's limbs that have fallen down onto them. Um, if there's a big tree that has fallen down in an area that's now rerouted deer travel patterns and now you gotta move a set. Um, there's, there's multiple different, different reasons for having to move a set. Um, fortunately, we've been on that property for, what is this gonna be, year 18 coming up? Something like that. So it's a property that we know very well, um, and we kind of we have a, a good idea of what areas of this farm the deer use at what times of the year. But little things like that, you know, a tree falling down that can move deer 20 yards further away from your stand than than they would have been the year before, and you got to go in there and be ready to make some adjustments. Um, there's a big problem with the emerald ash borer on the property that we that we hunt. So basically every ash tree on that property is dead or dying. So some of our best sets had been in ash trees and then you go and check them and you can see that the bark is starting to become discolored and that they're not budding anymore. Well, now you just lost that tree, you gotta tweak it, you gotta move it. Um, so, you know, it's not the most ideal to be doing that in the middle of July and it seems like whenever we do it, we pick a week where it's going to be 95 degrees out and humid, humid and buggy and yeah. but <laughs> I always will, seems to be like that. yeah I will take the pain of having to deal with that over not having stuff ready or, or yeah or blowing your property and futzing around in there right before the season yeah we're, we're rarely ever hanging or switching a set or doing any type of work in season almost ever yeah. and I think another thing that we touched on a little bit already but we should probably expand on is is water um, this property that we're on does not have a pond doesn't have a stream running through it all the water sources that the deer are using are um, primarily on, on neighboring properties. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know why it took us so long to do this. Um, actually, we used to have a couple of little like kiddie pools hung up out there, or set out there, and they would just catch rainwater. Um, and I think it was a couple of years ago, you were sitting and, and you could hear deer walking around in the mostly empty kiddie pool just trying to drink whatever little drops of water were in there so following year we said all right we're gonna we're gonna commit to putting a couple of water holes in and what did we put in two two the first year and then we added another two last year so i think we're up to four water holes on the property so um and we use 110 gallon um, big thick rubber tanks I know you can get them bigger than that. I wouldn't go smaller than that because they would just dry up too fast. But once you get them established, it's pretty nice. Then it's just a matter of just maintenance, which is relatively 
little other than actually going out there and filling them up but you know that would certainly be a one of the summer chores there that we're doing in July or the first part of August uh, is going out there and filling those tanks up with water to the top and it's un it's unbelievable any any time you're in a little bit of a drought throughout those summer months not just deer but all wildlife is yeah. like it's a magnet for them they're everything in the woods is coming to that water possums raccoon deer turkeys squirrels um yeah you know, we've seen it all it. even just from the tree stand sitting over them you, you get a lot of visitors to the to the water holes that you know just keeps your interest going when you're watching a squirrel trying to finagle how he's going to hang on to the edge and get a drink Yep, some cheap entertainment. So, you know, add those things in, they get hit. Um, you know, and for those first couple of weeks of the season, it's a huge attractant. Huge attractant. Um, they've also been effective during the rut, too. Very effective during the rut, as well, as a place that deer are going to make that, bucks are going to make that quick stop. Um, never shot one over a water hole in the rut yet but again we've only had them out there for two years but we've had plenty of trail camera pictures at all times of the day of deer swinging in by grabbing a quick drink and they're gone they're back out so yep just another tool to help pattern them and to give them a reason to stop by your tree stand yeah i mean that's that's a lot on the the work side of things and then i mean as we start getting into July it's going to start being the shooting regimen with the bows you know it's yeah. getting the bows out and cranking out more and more shots uh, each week um, and getting yourself in bow shape and tuned up for that as well as a little bit of physical shape as well you always like to be in a little better physical shape for hunting season as well because you're yeah. walking in carrying stands and whatnot as well so that yeah. also plays a big part of it well especially when when you're hunting any kind of of terrain that changes in elevation i mean we were just talking the the other night going up to the sauna that we oh there's there's our training for the day <laughs> you know walking up a, a hill that's got about 10 feet of elevation change and get to the top of it and we're both sucking a little bit of gas it's like Oh man, we gotta start doing something. What are we gonna do during deer season? Because there's a lot more vigorous climbs than that, with a lot more weight on on the back. So yeah, and if you're a food plot person, those fall plots are you know early part of August is a good time of year typically for most things that you're planting. You know, sometime during that month. So that's a good time to get to get that stuff done as well um, otherwise you know it's we'll spend time and, and nights calling each other and, and sorting through google earth or onyx maps and talking about some new areas on some public land and stuff like that i think we've touched on this before in some other podcasts but when we start hunting the early season on our private farms that we hunt on we typically like to stay out of there and just hunt afternoons but that doesn't mean we still don't like to go deer hunting so we try to find other areas that we can go uh, explore and spend some time in, in the mornings that, that work just doesn't happen by waking up on those days and, 
and figuring it out, you know, an hour before you get out there, that's long from hours spent on, on maps in the summer as well. Yeah, and you'll, if you've spent any time looking at, you know, public land in whatever area it is that you hunt, um, you'll, you'll probably find that there's a lot more of it than, than you actually realize. And, I mean, for example, southwestern Wisconsin, there are tons of, of small parcels of public land whether it be through managed forest law or you know it might be state land and then there's a couple of sections where it's you know really big tracks tens of thousands of acres of of public land and um, when you start looking at all those all those different spots and options it's like okay how, what do we want to prioritize and you can only do so much from looking at a map and going in there or without going in there um, you can get a general idea of what you think might be good but until you put boots on the ground in those areas see what the vegetation is like what's the stem count like you know what what are deer actually using for terrain features to funnel their traffic pattern um, you don't you really don't know until you're in there hiking around and scouting so um, a lot of those morning hunts in the in September October end up being uh, scouting missions because you know what if I mess something up on a piece of public it's okay there's so much more public to go check out yeah. um, and even if you mess something up and you by chance end up seeing a big buck well guess now you know that he's in there and that whatever area you were in is part of his core so you can kind of start to take things from there um, and and narrow in on, on areas that he's actually using where is he bedded you know he already kicked him out of there so you might as well just go be intrusive at that point and see if you can learn any any new information but it's always just learning I mean some of those spots that we've gotten into on a mid-september morning hunt our spots will return to like the next year in the rut because we found it and said boy this would really be good during the rut some time frame you know later on and then you know you might not get back to it that year but you just put more like tokens in the bag uh, or more knowledge of different spots that you can always return back to anytime because now you've been in there it's not just a dot on the map uh, but you've actually laid some boots on the ground and I can think of a couple particular spots uh, that we haven't even been back into but we know uh, yeah. potentially could uh, be good spots so well, what else is there? Uh, another thing, underrated thing, I think it's just going through your gear. Uh, this is something I like to do like during the winter, but I will do it again in August, uh, weeks before the season, just going through all your gear, get it washed and sorted out and everything into your, you know, your early season backpack that you want. Make sure you have everything ready to go. Um, you know, whenever you got a free night there and month of August that's a great thing to do it's way too hot outside maybe it's buggy bust out the hunting gear and I know the wife won't be happy that you're already again thinking about hunting a month before the season but you know you get it all laid out over the living room and just kind of inventorying your stuff repacking it okay I need to go buy this now you've got a month or a couple weeks to get those products the things you might need before the season and get it set up and it's ready to go and then you're not doing that 
Wednesday night or Thursday night before the opener and then going, oh crap, I need this. Yeah, for me, I don't usually do it during the winter and turkey season is a great reminder that I need to go through all my stuff and get it organized because usually turkey season comes up and I'm like, all right, I gotta get, oh shoot, I didn't put anything away last fall. I just got it stuffed into bins, you know, end of the season and I gotta go get things reorganized because they're, I don't know, there's nothing worse than getting up that first morning and not being able to leave because you don't know where something is. Yeah. You're digging through one of eight different plastic totes trying to figure out what jacket pocket, you know, you stuffed your wind checker in or Oh shoot, last time I went bow hunting, I got lazy. I knew it was gonna be the last time I went for the year. And I stuffed my release in, into a pocket of some sort. And now I gotta go find a release or, you know. Uh, all those things are, are important to, to have nailed down before you're gonna set foot into the woods. Yeah, so that's uh, kind of a bunch of our summer prep or like timeline for us, how we're gonna time things out over the next couple months. Uh, in terms of hunting, we're going to be looking forward to that Wisconsin, well, I don't know the exact date, probably like September 15th or 16th bow opener. You know, that's what we're gearing everything towards. Um, like we've mentioned many times, we love that early season, those first two weeks. So we're going to be putting forth a, hopefully a good game plan for, for those uh, early season weeks based on what we gather from some camera intel and where crops are how things set up for this year and then you know we'll be heading to minnesota for a week of gun hunting out there but that's not until the first weekend of november so we're not really gonna key in or do much in terms of prep for that until a little bit later on but uh, our focus will be on that early season those first two weeks of wisconsin and if all goes well we'll be tagged out and then our wives are going to be extremely happy because we're tagged out and talking to them about buying a Minnesota archery license. <laughs> yes. You know, can't just in a perfect world. A in a perfect world. Can't just sit so. there for a month and not hunt. Anyways, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, brief little podcast here, just summer timeline. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you can like, share, subscribe. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, it's always appreciated. And thanks for uh, listening and supporting Buck Fever Outdoors. See you next time. Get the fever going. <laughs>